Senator Regina Doherty. Since the crisis first began, we immediately introduced a system of emergency payments to get money into people's hands fast. Things changed so rapidly from week to week, but we didn't know how bad it was going to be. And I can only speak personally about the papers that we would get every week with the modelling number, and they were absolutely terrifying. This is a groundbreaking piece of legislation. It is among the first global attempts to regulate AI. You can, you can make a difference because you, you have a voice. This side is the huge satisfaction that knowing you have made a difference. Like the hot schemes groom is. You know where that started and you can see it delivered. Welcome to Leading the Change, a podcast mini-series brought to you by Funogail. And it's all about encouraging more women and people from diverse backgrounds to get involved in politics. My name is Marie Walsh. I'm an MEP for Midlands Northwest. And I'll be bringing you into the discussions with Funogail uh, representatives and activists about why they got involved in politics. In today's episode, we speak to my colleague in the European Parliament, MEP Deirdre Clune for Ireland South, and Deputy Leader of Shannon Air and Senator Regina Doherty. Uh, I really, really had uh, a great laugh in this discussion, learned a lot, and I really think you will too. Ladies, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, here we have Deirdre Clune, MEP, and Regina Doherty, Hello. Senator. Um, delighted to be with you both. Am I okay? Would you prefer your official titles, a parliamentarian and senator, or can I say Regina and Deirdre? Regina and Deirdre, oh, I think, is fine. <laughs> I like the uh, familiar sounding <laughs> one. Honourable member is often Honourable what we get what called. Call yeah. Honourable really? member. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And you know you're in well, trouble. Uh, either you're late for a vote or something when they start saying honourable member. And then member. you know as soon as you're not elected, you're just... <laughs> But come here, here we're, we're here to gather voices uh, uh, that make our party um, uh, the richness I think we all can agree with uh, and make sure that women and people from different backgrounds really hear that authentic voice that we have and the values that mm. we live by. Um, and I don't think we do that enough. Uh, so hence the reason why the podcast miniseries was uh, was developed. Um, but for you, Deirdre, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll yeah. start with you. Um, you are part of a political dynasty um, and in many ways a third generation politician, if I have that correct. Yes. Um, yep. Can you share in your own words uh, how you got involved? Like what, what was the catalyst of change for you to put your hand up um, and and oh, okay, what was the catalyst? I suppose I mean I was always involved. I remember saying one time at a selection convention when I was trying to promote my Finnegade identity as opposed to somebody else would be coming in and saying, "Well, I was born with a Finnegade membership card in my hand." Which, <laughs> but I, I mean, I grew up completely in a house of politics. When uh, my father was elected first, or when I was probably ten years old, he was elected to the yeah. all. So, but but. But from, he was always in politics because my grandfather was in politics and he was my grandfather's election agent. So like the place, the hall was always full of leaflets and stuff. And then my grandfather, Tony Barry, was, um, but they said W.T. Cosgrave's man in Cork. So, like, so I suppose it's just when you grow up with it, you absorb it. And you don't realise it really, what you have, um, because, uh, until, you know... You, you, you get it and people look at you and they say well you know how do you know some I don't know do I know so much about politics just instinct and and I, and I would say like you know if you grow up in a house where your parents are nurses or doctors you have to have the, that instinct as well so yeah I was um uh yeah grew up in it completely I remember you know election time helping my mother to make 
sandwiches and fruitcake and we'll be bringing it out to, at the polling station. Remember the people who used to give out the leaflets? <laughs> Feeding them. Well, the Finnegalers now <laughs> we'll be looking after. I'm sure I'm sure we were kind of generous. But yeah, I, I have long memories. Of and then just that, that up, moment that you yeah. decided? Okay, when my father announced he was... Well, was that it? Probably he was not standing after 1992. He announced he wasn't standing in the election. That didn't matter to me really because I was busy with kids and... I actually was quite involved in my own, I suppose, in my own way in communities and residence association, mm. doing that bit, involved in the school mm. and, you know, took an interest. I was a member in the party. I was a member of the party. And um, I was, you know, doing the, I was treasurer, I think, and then I was moving, just moving through the ranks in the, at branch level and constituency level. So I was very involved in can, all elections, like no matter who the candidate was, it was always the ticket, the Fine Gael ticket. So, you know, I was just a, an activist and then... I was suggested, would I be interested in... Never occurred to me, really. Well, you know, I didn't think it would be possible living 160 miles from Dublin. Three kids at that time and another on the way. So, uh, but after thinking about it and realised, really, it was just what I was doing anyway. It was just an extension of that. And I felt it was an opportunity for me uh, to to stand for election and to be to be able to contribute and to just and to do that and if I didn't take that opportunity then would it come around because you know what they say in, in politics you, you don't get a second it doesn't chance. come you don't get a second chance so I decided well I don't want to end up at 60 years of age where, where I am now and say oh I wonder should have should have would have could have um so I think that was probably a defining moment even maybe it was a bit rash was it but you know you, you can't predict anything in, in politics really but you know if you feel you can do it and you'll give it your all and you want to do it I mean you have to want to do it absolutely uh, so that's why I, I took the decision to stand and then I remember the time like my name my, my, my name is you're talking about my third generation but my name was my maiden name was Barry mm -hmm. and um, Barry's and my grandfather had been elected as well in Cork uh, City as a TD at one point and he was in the Shannon. And then for my father, uh, Peter Barry. And then I said, well, like I had been married, I think, for maybe oh, about seven or eight years at that stage. And I had changed my name because I was married young and we went to England. And I decided, well, uh, you know, to the same name as my children, I felt that would be easier. So I, I was decided then, we had a bit of a chat about it and decided to stick. I wanted, I'd be more comfortable because if I changed it to Barry Clune or went back, it would have been wouldn't be authentic. Mm. And then and then you constantly get, well, you, when you when you lost my seat, then at one point, it's, well, if you hadn't changed your name, if you kept, you wouldn't. So, oh, listen, I wanted to do it my way. Yeah. And if I f fell, I fell. But I felt if I wanted to be um, not so genuine and authentic that I didn't want to. Uh, uh, but that's amazing how you say it, 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 say it in terms of making the decision, um, mm. even down to the name choice. Yeah. Um, and living that authentic self. Because I think... There, you sometimes could see or hear, um, well, it's a generational or family passed mm. over, or they discuss politics, or why wouldn't? Yeah. Whereas actual, it, it, I, I would imagine it would be quite, it probably was difficult because of the history and the legacy you had with the Finnegan Party as a family, mm. and then so, to make the decision for yourself. Um, you know, sometimes I think we have a quite a, a throwaway thought process around getting involved in politics particularly when your family's involved in mm. it. Uh, so amazing to hear that, no, you stood and you you did it on on your own terms, in your own way. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I was a different person. I was a different generation to my father and my grandfather, different issues. Um, I was a young mother mom. with young mum with children. And um, yeah, with mum with children, of course. But I was. And um, uh, I just, I, I suppose I was full of enthusiasm and, you know, absolutely, you know, I'll be able to do this. There's no problem. I'll give it my all. And of course, it'll work out. And I felt it was very positive, yeah. which, which I was, you know. So I, I'm actually very, very happy with that decision. And I have... Uh, no regrets at all. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't even a question for me. Not that I wouldn't use my, um, but use my, the name that I had, and the same name as my children at that Amazing. point. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Regina, how did you, I mean, your your journey, actually, you served as minister, senator, uh, leader of the House and the Senate, now deputy, mm. um, I mean, yeah, I could I go on and on. I, I'm for working you, my way around every single uh, office to try and see. I, I mean, I've been a, I've been a councillor. I've been a TD. I've been government chief whip. I've been cabinet minister. I've been Shannon leader, and now I'm easy, group leader. Easy. Yeah, um, it is. It's kind of a whirlwind, particularly when you consider that it all has only happened in the last kind of twelve years. So, wow. um, I do feel very privileged. But it was from humble beginnings mm. that it started. So my dad, um, North County Dublin, and his mother, my nanny, Evie Dalton. Uh, were great supporters of the then TD Eamon Rooney uh, in Swords and my dad who's now 88 this year um, bless him recalls of shimmying up and down poles like when he was only 10 and 11 and getting a woodbine uh, for his troubles you know he was rewarded with it so it goes back a long way um, we got our first council house um, courtesy of Councillor May Ennis's help uh, in Ballymon and the result of that was they asked John Bolan asked my mother to set up a branch in Ballymon and mum and dad um, my uncle Mick uh, and other people set up the branch in Ballymun, um, and it just kind of started from there. Mammy ran in the local elections with Nora Owen in 1979. Mm. Um, I have, I was an only child until I was 12, so I was on my own for all of these years. And as you talk about outside polling stations, in those days you were allowed to stand outside yeah. and give out the leaflets, and you'd be, I'd be only seven or eight, running up to try and get there before <laughs> you did, you know. And actually, I recall you talk about the sandwiches. I recall Mammy telling me when we were younger, uh, Fianna Fáil always had more money than we had because they had fish and chips outside <laughs> oh. the polling booths, and we only had sandwiches. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Um, so roll on there, you know, I, I grew up, went to school, had to, never wanted for anything, mum and dad always worked and worked hard for Fine Gael and the constituencies changed and then we became part of um, Dublin North West, um, mm. Eddie Nolan, huge again organisation and I would have just grown up with all of that as normal. Mm. Today, tonight was on the telly, if you were, if I was mooching to try and stay up later, like I'd pretend to dad, oh I'm really interested, I wanted to watch it, I probably didn't want to watch it at all but it just became, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, what you see is what you can be, it just became natural. Um, so I was always involved um, but never had a notion of being elected mm. representative. Um, until I was asked, and this is something now I didn't know we had in common. I was three children pregnant on number four um, when our organisation came and asked me before Christmas um, of the June 2007 um, general election, would I be their candidate? Uh, Shane McEntee was our sitting TD. He needed a running mate. We were more diverse than probably before our time. We were putting a woman on the ticket with a man, and that was when I first ran. Um, And I didn't win, but I didn't for a notion ever think that I wouldn't win. So is like, it I, I, and it's funny, you know, you is go it, through is elections. Is it youth or is it I don't know, maybe naivety, naivety or something. But, I mean, um, you need that for... Um, you will, that, I, I think if you thought you were going to lose, you wouldn't have the oh, same so energy or commitment. You in the morning, you know? Yeah, so never in my wildest dreams thought I was going to lose. And then was gobsmacked when I did, right? And you do, like, they, they tell you that politics is about the personal, and it really is. And, you know, after elections, people tell you, don't take it personally. You do, of course. And you take a, you know, a while to lick your wounds and 
horse. get back on the horse again. And then a couple but of years later. But bear in mind, to your point, you were saying about there, there has to be disappointment when you put your name mm. forward for any, for any job or any role. Um, and when you do it so publicly, sometimes yeah. I really do think people forget that there is a genuine human being behind mm. that poster or that name mm. um, or that social policy issue or that mm. issue as large. Um, and then when you go, I mean, what I found in 2019 European elections, here I was applying for a job <laughs> and having to really put the trust in this gorgeous thing called democracy and that you're hoping people look at you to say right she can represent me um yeah. and if it didn't work out i would have been disappointed because i'm like wow what you internalize well i would have and say right what what skills or characteristics did i not have in order to fulfill that role like i wouldn't say i think i would think you would look at and you say oh my god sixty thousand people came out and gave me number one i know i didn't get it this time but i'll be back yeah. for those 60 mm. plus the next time yeah. you know i mean yeah. that's when you look at the, i mean that was in the european elections obviously regina's not yeah. sixty thousand, but it's really humbling isn't it to yeah. see the people that actually got up out of their armchair walked in and gave you a number one yeah. and at any stage it's 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 really it's important but you know what i but i think we, mm. we think probably an awful lot more about it and of it than the average person on the exactly, street does. Yeah. Because like it, I, I genuinely believe it's an absolute privilege. I genuinely think that I have been incredibly lucky in politics, despite losing the first election and my last election. You know, So, right, of course they hurt a little bit and you have to pick yourself up and learn from it. And, you know, um, but it is an absolute privilege. Mm -hmm. And there's a thing, there's a, a narrative by some opposition supporters, for want of a better way of putting it nicely, um, on social media, that, you know, to call you a failure and you, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be... The only time you're ever a failure is when you stop trying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's something inherent in the people who are addicted to politics that you don't stop trying. Don't I mean, stop you know, even though I lost the last time doesn't mean that I even for a second think in my head that I'm not going to win the next time. Yeah, no, And I don't know where that comes from, but... Yeah, it's just... The next opportunity, because you want to keep going. I mean, yeah. I, I lost a seat in, I was elected in 97, lost in 2002, general election. But in the meantime, I'd been elected to Cork City Hall. And um, so I remember I lost the seat. Uh, we weren't doing too well in, in the election, that, that election for the year. And there wasn't two seats in Cork South Central. And I lost out, you know, after I don't know how many counts. I hung in there till the end anyway. And... Um, so there was a, a Saturday, I remember, so the next day, Sunday, I said, right, so I got up off of bed, got dressed, went to Mass, with the kid, went to mass, and went for communion up and around the long way so that everybody, everybody saw me. Me. I'd been out in public and I did it. And the next day, Monday, I was inside in my city hall meeting, putting forward a motion, speaking on the agenda, and oh, that was it done. And, and from there, I became, two weeks later, Lord Mayor of Cork, and I was re-elected to the Dáil again. So... You know, you there is a tenacity in it. So, uh, and I same. think it's your family hurt that when you do lose, it's your family hurt. But, but then you see that, yeah, mm. and you don't because you know this is it. This is part of the game. If you put your name forward, you have a chance. Just you, do you have two speeches for the count. Yeah. You know, you do. But to your point, I'm winning. Or thank you very much. Very honoured to be elected. Really, you know, thank all the legs. Sorry, I'm not here, but I'll be back next time. You know, yeah, you have yeah. to have the two speeches. Yeah. Hmm? To, to your point, and and I say this when uh, and and uh, anybody listening. Deirdre and I uh, both serve in the European Parliament. Mm. Um, uh, 
even closer again, Regina Doherty was my, uh, was our national, were you the national? She was the national director, director of elections. Yeah. Uh, and I remember my first time going in to meet uh, then minister. Uh, uh, I didn't know whether I should curtsy or <laughs> or, or what I should do. And, uh, and and you were so helpful and, and so uh, full of guidance and, and mentorship for me. Um, mm. So it's great to be able to, to, to see the lifespan that you both have had and continue to have uh, in, in, in politics. But for you, Deirdre, mm. I, I always introduce you when we speak to school groups in the European Parliament to show the scale of politics. Um, so yeah. you served as councillor, Lord Mayor of Cork, TD, a senator and an MEP. Mm. Um, can Just, you can you tell us the different like the different roles and perhaps, you know, is there a big difference or are you just to a different audience? working for if that makes sense yeah I do know what you're saying yeah um different audience maybe is the thing they're all the they're all the same and that you know you make decisions in in your forum whether it's in the council or the Dáil or the Shannon or, or the European Parliament you you vote mm-hmm. on issues and that's how you make your decision that's how decisions are taken um I would think somebody I mean I loved them all I loved I do love the council I think it's really really important sometimes when you meet now now particularly that I think like Cork City has grown it's it's a bigger council now it's very varied um, you're really close to what's going on in your area, and you know it. And you, like my time in Lord Mayor, I, I still, I still love what I have, what I have, what I was introduced to that year, and the, we, sit, we were city of culture and met communities and met people doing good, doing great work and not so great work maybe. But I had a huge introduction, uh, and kind of my city, if you like, embraced me, and I always feel a real closeness to that. I think local authority is really, really, really important. Yeah. It's a, not, not so much a stepping stone, but it's so important. You're representing your community. You have a direct input in everything that's happened. How come I didn't know about that? You know, like normally you'd know everything. <laughs> I was shocked. So I'd shocked how far removed I had come become uh, from actually what's happening locally. Oh but uh, then, you know, the doll is, as we, we hear an awful lot about the doll and Shannon in our media. I think mm-hmm. that's, there's a strong, you don't hear so much about the European Parliament. But is but the things that go eighty percent of what happens in the European Parliament actually ends up yeah. in the dawn, mm-hmm. Shannon, just and a few it's years just implementing later. directives or regulations to be decided. So I think you know you can make a fabulous contribution there too. It's really interesting, and it's you know I I think Europe is like I I remember when I was when I was uh, I don't know what age I was when the the elect the referendum for, would we join yes no the posters yes mm-hmm. no I was involved in that campaign with my fathers. Standing by him when he was up in the back, up on a, uh, a milk crate, giving a f- few speeches outside church. That t- or you know when we yeah. would do that. I remember the campaign, and I remember the such a sense of positivity that we were joining mm. Europe. And look where we've come in the fifty years. I mean, mm. it was a really significant. And again, that was something that the people voted. They spoke and they voted for that overwhelmingly. Yeah. And I don't think we've any regrets since. So th- anyway, to answer your question, Maria, I think they're all. They're all different, but at the same time, they're all the same. And that you're, a re- you're a public representative. And there's, mm. like you mentioned, Regina, like there's a huge, it's humbling, isn't mm. it? To be like the people decide, okay, you are my voice. And whether it be in City Hall, in the Dáil and the European Parliament, you are going to be my voice. I have confidence in you. So it's really, really humbling when people, um, to see the votes coming for you and to be declared elected. And you know, it's mm. a privilege. It's it's a responsibility, yeah. uh, but it's it's wonderful that you, you you just cannot beat it in terms of what's been handed to you and the confidence of the people to represent them. Some, sometimes I do think, you know, the media, both online and offline, or um, you know, in conversations, 
we complicate what being a politician is sometimes. Mm. You know, it's to be of service to your yeah, community. Just basic and, and, yeah, and your community could be, to your point, uh, your county, your council area. It could be, or in Europe, we often say municipality, locality. Um, yeah. um, it could be the, the country. Um, uh, and for us, it's the 500 million voices. You don't do it with just an Irish nationalist, mm-hmm. nationalistic view. You have to have it through the prism of, of Europe. Regina. Um, similar, actually, I, f- I forgot, I should have mentioned it. Sorry. So you served as mm-hmm. a councillor. Yep. Um, deputy, minister, and a senator. Yep. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the different roles that you have seen uh, and how you felt within those roles. I suppose they were slightly different for me because it all happened so fast. Mm-hmm. So the council, um, I was elected to meet county council and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and I can remember Phil Hogan was the uh, opposition spokesperson for the environment and local uh, oh, local yes. governments at the time. And he had a raft of plans. And I can remember being in a pub and screen, listening to him, thinking, Jesus, if he did all of that, I'd never leave the council because it was it was going to be transformative. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of it has been transformative. A lot of it hasn't. And we've maybe made some changes that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. But the council for me um, was hugely grounding insofar as that it is you are at home. You are really like there isn't a blade of grass that grows or, you know, a child that falls in the yard that you don't know about because your local area is small and then and you know this you become a TD and your area gets bigger and you can't have that same grow mm. for every town in your county because that you have for your own town yeah. you know? so it just it gets bigger and then as a minister like first of all it was an absolute privilege and I wouldn't change a bit of it but I think the thing that I did have learned is that I took that job as being 100% important and forgot to be the TD and that probably resulted in why yeah. yeah well it, it, it doesn't matter and actually as I said to you and you said it earlier on I wouldn't change a single thing that's happened um, in the last number of years because it has been incredibly um, good to me it's been such a challenge it's been so such a learning experience such a, the opportunities that I've got in the last 12 years I never would have got mm. from any other profession um, and even after losing in 2020 and I was gutted, right? And there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, I only had four weeks of being, or three weeks of being gutted and feeling sorry for myself. And actually, I'd already made that announcement very quickly because I was the second seat in the constituency, as I think you were too. There wasn't probably ever going to be a second seat in Mideast for a long time again. And so, you know, there's no point in banging your head off that wall. Um, and I had decided that I'd go off and do something else. And then COVID hit. And the phenomenal response from Irish people towards me during that time. Now, I know I was responsible for a lot of the good things that were given out during the beginning. And so myself and Pascal well, would have things, done... The, but the necess- No, they were absolutely things. required. And it an definitely did too. provide cohesion. But like because it was new, nobody knew how to do it, what to do it. I mean, I was having weekly... Cl- and I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, the sun was splitting the ground. So weather was absolutely oh, yeah. glorious that time. Um, we, nobody was allowed out of their houses. We were only allowed to walk, you know, two, two kilometres around your village. But the sun was glorious. And so that kind of maybe made it a little easier. I was having clinics on Facebook time in my back garden with random people from all over the country who didn't know how to access PUP, who didn't know where they signed off, you know, just probably silly things now, but because we were all so stressed. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of months, I thought, Jesus, am I really... Are you ready, like, to give this up? Like, this is the bit you love. This is so satisfying. Isn't yeah, it? and so yeah, and I, it was nothing to me. I mean, taking a phone call, making a Facebook mm-hmm. or FaceTime call, answering. I had a weekly clinic um, call on at News Talk with Pat Kenny um, because other media's didn't want to touch me at the time because I was. Well, I can't even remember. I was called a ghost minister. Myself and Shane Ross and Catherine Sapone at the time were the three people who hadn't been re-elected. They uh, were kind of in the shadows, but I was around and trying to do stuff for people. And it just suddenly dawned on me one day, 
I had a conversation with Simon Coveney and he said to me, you're not, don't, you're not ready to give this up. And I thought, no, actually, I have, I'm not. And I had made a mistake. Uh, and then you have to try and figure out in your head, how do you navigate that and say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake. Can I please, you know, have another go or another opportunity? And I suppose I was just blessed. Um, I was involved in a programme for government and spent a lot of time, obviously, with Leo and Simon at the time. And I was just blessed that he had the opportunity to afford that privilege of appointing me to the Shannon and, and gave it to me alongside my other colleagues. And so Yeah, but can, I mean, affording for sure. I mean, you had that direct conversation, but you also, you can't afford something to somebody who's not willing to work hard for it. You know? Yeah, well, like you, you had your sleeves rolled up and... I mean, I remember over the early days, and I'm not saying this to Plum here because you're sitting opposite me, but I remember the early days of COVID, and you're right, no one knew how to navigate it. No. Nobody. Um, and, but people were worried that they didn't have money in their bank account, mm. uh, that their jobs were, mm. were, were going to be cut. Young people didn't know um, how to mm. go from A to B, but sure, nobody did. No, no, um, no. And then you stepped no. in mm. and did, did, you were, uh, dare I say, from this sense, you know, you were a mother to the country in terms of making sure people knew they were cared for, minded, and they knew where to go for information. I think, to be honest with you, and so I say this kind of maybe selfishly now looking back, I think it was kind of cathartic for me because had I not, and God, I wouldn't wish a pandemic on anybody for any reason, right? But had I not been as busy as I was, I probably would have gone down the self-pity, you know, feeling sorry for yourself rush which is human too. Yeah, well, I, I'm actually really grateful that I didn't because I do look at sometimes other politicians that become kind of narky with themselves and stuff like that. So um, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. And I'm, then we got straight into the Shannon and then sure, we were all over the place. And it was probably the same with the European Parliament. We weren't allowed to even look at each other, let alone stand near each other. Or, you know, yeah. and we were in the convention centre. Then we were in the Dáil. Then we were in the, you know, so yeah. all of that happened. But, you yeah. know, did you, I often think, you know, when in the pandemic, when it hit first, it must have been terrifying for for the government when I think of Leo Varadkar on the steps in Washington mm -hmm. and shutting down the country. I mean, what a big decision to have to take. Uh, it takes a huge toll on you. Did you did you wake up in the middle of the night saying, oh my God, are we doing, yeah, what, you, what are we you doing? You definitely did worry about people. But yeah. you know what the funny thing, and it, this is not funny, haha. Like the very first meeting that we had about COVID was the time that I brought the policy to introduce the illness payment, right? Because yes. we knew people were going to be sick. This was mm. long before we were shutting down anywhere. We knew mm. you were going to be sick and we knew you had to have money. There was a row... Like that was in um, the Sycamore room, and I, both of you know it. It's a really big room. The table can probably in hold. House. Yeah, the table can probably hold forty people, and then they have the habit of having all of these chairs at the wall. There must have been eighty people in that room, and here we were talking about COVID and about how drastic it was going to be, and eighty people all sitting right beside each other like it. And when you look <laughs> back at that now, I think, geez, you're really stupid. Like, but things changed so rapidly from week to week, yes. and there was a big fear around. You know, there was a real knowledge that we didn't know how bad it was going mm -hmm. to be and I can only speak personally about the papers that we would get every week with the modelling numbers and they were absolutely terrifying mm -hmm. and so okay thankfully it didn't come anywhere close to it and I think we now all know that Neff tended to focus on the worst case scenario and we didn't realise that for obviously a long time but in the beginning when you were faced with the world is shifting and completely changing and certainly not with any mm -hmm. positives you did believe the worst case scenario because that's what you had to prepare for. And so I know, obviously, maybe well, we bought stuff. The people reading, watching and being guided by our government mm. and our politicians worldwide were placing their trust in them to make the right calls mm. in the most difficult, yeah. unheard of and yeah. unspoken time. But there times. was trust. I think there was trust. Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. what, what, what helped was, you know, the regular appearances on television. I mean, the six o'clock news was just, had to be every night. We <laughs> yeah. all sat around. Yeah. And appearing with 
the leaders appearing with the met with HSE Tony yeah. Holohan, and yeah. that, that was important because that and then you were following what they had recommended. So there was that was the trust yeah. that I, I think don't think right. other countries they didn't have that in the UK. No, they definitely didn't. Um, there mm -hmm. was enormous trust. And y you even look, so, okay, we'd had, we'd come off the back of a poor election, a pretty poor election. And you look at how the Irish people responded to both Simon Harris and Leo Varadkar. Mm -hmm. And there was enormous trust, trust in both yeah. of those men and the entire team. Like Pascal obviously did a great, like there was loads of people, players that did mm -hmm. great jobs, but there was enormous trust. But there was also, we all had skin in the game. Like, even though I'd be at a meeting today, I'd go home tonight and I'd still have to watch the half five news on TV3, the six o'clock news, you know. So I'd see if you missed anything or just, I don't know if you recall, you know, there'd be photographs of people in the evening time who might have passed away. Oh, oh like, it's yeah. just, it's it feels like an horrendously... Mm. What we did to ourselves, yeah. Yeah, when you think about it. But mm. so I've no doubt there but was mistakes. But sorry, I'm, I'm full circle. That mm. got me through feeling sorry for myself because then I didn't have time to feel sorry for myself. And then you're just straight back in and back to doing what you love, which is mm. why we're all here. Yeah. To, be, to be a service. Mm. Uh, you, you spoke just the two of you um, um, about the challenges uh, and, and the trials and tribulations mm. you, you both would have experienced in. Uh, and I don't want to ponder too, too long for listeners um, on the negativity of it all yep. because there, it's fear, uh, it's uh, uh, a feeling of bereft, a heartbroken feeling, I, I, I can only imagine. Mm. Um, but, you know, how do you how do you build back from that and how do you deal with the learnings um, for those listening when, when they're thinking, well, what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? And if I put my hand up, I'm, I'm just thinking of the, the, the woman who's listening to this or someone from uh, a minority background saying, right, here is me getting up off my armchair uh, and getting involved, uh, listening mm -hmm. to all these stories and lived experiences from, uh, from you both. Um, and, mm -hmm this is going to be my catalyst. Like, what would you say are your, your biggest learnings? Well, I, I think when I look back on, you know, times you lost, times you won, I think being a member of the Fine Gael party and the membership was really important to me and mm -hmm. helped in, in election campaigns. You had them with you. I think that's really important. And to realise for anybody who's listening now who's thinking of getting involved in politics, it's not may not be for you to be an elected representative, but there is ample opportunity and we really need people to support candidates to get involved you may have to you may be you know have be good with your brain or speech writing or coming up with the answers to hard questions anything like that you know so to get involved in the team so I found the membership were really important to me they were very supportive and you know you had like you had your branch meeting every month and you were still once I was in the Shannon so I still went to the branch meetings met the members and I I, I used to know them so so well from the day you'd have to canvas looking for their support mm. at, at selection conventions. So like, I think the membership was really important, very positive, and they would come out, there would always be somebody to come out and be with you when you were canvassing, even between elections. And, uh, you know, you know so you're, you're part of a team. You're not, you're not isolated. So we're speaking now as if we're the one person just yeah. on your own out yeah. there. Float. You're not. You're very much part of a team, but you're the face of the team. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that that's important to recognise that you you won't be on your own that you have the support of the members whether you win or whether you lose yeah. <laughs> and, and, and even if you lose a seat you still gained so much knowledge and experience because yeah. just uh, canvassing is, is really enriching you know when I know people are suffering and they're, they're kind of very difficult situations but you also can learn enough and it's amazing what people 
open up to you mm. and you knock on their door. Mm. And he's like, well, I'm just a random in many ways. You know, yeah, you weren't expecting this. But they do open up to you mm. and they do share their lives mm. and their stories and their insights. And uh, that's very rewarding too. It's a privilege, isn't it, to be able mm. to, to help that? I mean, mm. sometimes I you feel, oh my God, you know, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming or, you know, how are you going to do it? But in many cases, it's just a listening. And yeah. that, that's important to point them in the right direction. But that's, it's really enriching. And understand, helps you to understand kind of what what's going on in our society. Yeah, to your point, um, and uh, and and the privilege piece. I think in my few years of being both in party and and uh, elected official in the European Parliament, when you speak to colleagues, I mean, we have colleagues who rarely go back to their constituency um, mm. across Europe that might only go to the constituency event in terms of like Germany, France, or other EU member states, uh, maybe once a month, whereas. For us here in Ireland, particularly in Finnegale, you know, if I don't pick up the local newspaper, at least... How would you know what's going on? Well, that, or they'd say, where are you now? And how, oh, how, how dare you get away for two... So and, you know, the listening piece yeah. has become so important. Uh, and that's why I love uh, what we do and trying to connect but them both. A but thing, is it, there's a thing in Irish, I don't know whether it's in our DNA or our psyche, that we don't like people when they get a bit above themselves, you know, and, and you have a habit of bringing people back down to earth. There's a real authenticness about our political system yeah. that doesn't exist in some mm. other countries who either have list systems or as you say are so remote that maybe some people in the county doesn't even know the name of their MEP let alone their TD or their MP um, we have and I think and cherish it for as long as we can have and I know canvassing is changing and social media and all that kind of stuff is changing the world um, and sometimes not for the better but we have the ability to go knocking on doors yeah. you know in Cork or in Lusk or wherever it happened to be and just somebody to greet you with the sincerity yeah. and here and when I tell you my daughter has a problem yeah. and they just open up and they know what you're about immediately yeah. <laughs> it's great Clearly, it's I don't great. like I think that's it, I, I'm not sure it's that rare but it is so good that we keep that in our system, mm. that that relationship that we have with the public, and it can be cruel if you lose, and that's fine. And as you said, but when you win, it's just magic. Mm. Um, that's really, really important. But to my mind, what's changed is that when I got first elected, um, or even got involved to be elected in 2007, 2008, our... Our idea of diversity back then was to try and get a few women on the ticket and get a few of us yeah. elected, you know, and you, and you, you elected to the European Parliament. Diversity has so much changed and the country is so different now that our parliaments do absolutely nowhere near justice to reflect what our communities actually are. Absolutely. And until we either mobilise those minority communities to either be involved as independents or involved with us as parties and give them the opportunity to know that there is a team, as you say there, to support you, that you're not on your own, then Irish society will be the worse off for it. Mm -hmm. And so we've kind of seen in other European countries and maybe a smidgen of it this year where certain elements of society would like to divide us, to like to put us in, mm. you know, different boxes. And um, I think it's our responsibility as centrist politicians to make sure that we bring it back to the centre and that we bring all of those minority communities with us. Um, and we started um, in, in Finnegale. We have a number of councillors who are new Irish, which is lovely yeah. to see, but not enough. Not enough. Um, but but it starts at local level. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. And our parliament, certainly the European Parliament doesn't mm. reflect, and I know that doesn't reflect at all. It mm. couldn't reflect when you stand and see all the, um, what would you call it? Just the white faces. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll call it male, population, yeah, so male yeah. pale and stale, male unfortunately, pale. is like mm. comes, from, comes mm. from the record of 
of of certain generations and uh, and sometimes i i feel that might do a disservice to the, a lot of the pro democratic yeah. ally males that we have but we simply f- we need to figure out the formula Just need a balance. uh to to have that that balance that that representation Start that local. is reflective in our community and build up the best but to everything you shared there uh, you know i think of the 2019 elections knocking at doors particularly in certain cities grow, bigger areas um and you know, I remember uh, being in Galway uh, in a in a great housing estate and um, knocked at the door. They're still new to me, and uh, uh, and I was like, "Hi," you know, just wanted to speak to everybody in the house. Um, and I was so conscious of a story I'd heard that you know, if you say that to a woman, she say, "Well, let me get my husband." Oh, yeah. So I wanted to make sure I say that to you know, I mm. want to speak to everybody in the mm. house. And uh, this this gentleman said, yeah, hang on a second, we've prepared. And I was like, well, well, I, I, well, I want, and he, he left. And next thing, this young person came out with a list that okay. they, have, they had designed and dis- discussed in school and then at their kitchen table. Now, I'm not going to lie, my kneecap started sweating. I got a little bit nervous. <laughs> I'm like, what, what was going to come? Um, but it was a powerful. And then I think of, to, to both your points in terms of COVID and people then discussing more and your own life, lived experiences yeah. and growing up in politics, do you think we'll see a wave of change now with younger people and different minorities, new Irish, new Europeans coming through because they have experienced where people sat around and discussed how policies and governments impact them through COVID mm. or had big issues around social policy or environmental issues or that they actually just got fed up of not seeing themselves on 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 the TV and I you know or or hearing themselves on radio or podcast or wherever mm. they might go do you think that will come I'd like to think it would I mean I think you have a point certainly when we talk when you can we use the, is it new irish yeah mm. people I mean I think they they want to make this, their, their home, and um, I think they'd be encouraged to. I think mm-hmm. probably, probably you, could, you will see, and I've seen it myself, a, a lot of interest um, at, our, at our membership level and people getting involved. So I hope that that's a start and it'll filter, filter yeah. through. Um, it would be good to see it, I think, because, you know, we are a, a changing country, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, and, and to understand, you know, that needs, like, everybody needs to be involved in that and to understand this is where we're going. Um, people will have some sensitivities around the field. And look, harking back to where it was, mm. maybe that comes too from being an island nation, mm. surrounded by the sea. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and, and it's a challenge for all of us, as you, as you say, the centre to make sure that we manage that properly. Mm. And um, you know, but really that good. is the challenge at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I, not to just disagree with you, but I don't know whether I'd be as optimistic. And so when you look mm. at, we've been talking about women in politics for as long as I'm around. Um, and it was the only positive change that probably changed it was Phil Hogan bringing in yeah, our quotas, yeah, quotas and didn't even have the desired effect that we wanted because so many women were the second seats of the last election and they lost their seat. And so now I really hope that the 40% in the next election will make a massive difference. But I don't think you're going to see new Irish in Dáil Éireann mm-hmm. um, or even at local authority level unless we change something again at a, at a national level, at a legal level. Because you talk about... I've been had the privilege of uh, overseeing two citizenship ceremonies where probably between eight or a thousand people are in the hall with their families getting their Irish citizenship that day. The energy, the love, it's just it's the most wonderful right. experience, right? That doesn't translate mm. to your local town or village where that one person is walking down. You know, I think we need to mobilize communities and make them part of our team 
not to make them stand out on their own as something mm. separate and different. And I don't know whether there's enough people that would vote, you know, for that unless we had silos. Yeah. Like a I don't a framework in place. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, some of the communities, and just for argument's sake, we have a, a senator from the travelling community and she's lovely and she raises issues week in, week out that would otherwise never be raised, right? And so you sit and you listen and you think, Jesus, I didn't know that. You know, so there's a huge learning thing there. But if we didn't know it, then you can be absolutely sure that other people who are not in our bubble didn't know it. So she's only one representative of one very small community. Um, we have Poonam, for argument's sake, mm-hmm. as a councillor on Fingal County Council. And she's enormously powerful and again loads of energy but like there was a huge team effort put in to help Punam get elected as well as her being you know resonating with the, the people locally I don't know if it would be that easy for us to think that that organically will happen in every county in the country and so I think we need to yeah. to maneuver to try and help I mean to your point this is a call to action for ourselves um mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. where we're sitting right now in Funugal headquarters and then for those listening to say we need to bridge that gap. Yeah. Those that feel disconnected, uh, regardless of where you come from, or the term you give, is it New Irish, is it um, minority, you know, whatever yeah. it is that you feel um, represents you, that, that it's not just a um, certain type of person getting the opportunity yeah. to run yeah. in certain Let's places. Go back to what you said in the beginning, is that you have to see you know, you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And so, yeah. like for us growing up, we probably didn't see very many female politicians. There was old grey men with bald heads. You know, when you come into the back of the room, that's all you saw. That's changing now. I mean, not half as fast as you'd like to see it. But if it was to be left to be organic, to catch up with all of our Maybe new right, citizens, yeah. Jesus, I'd be, I'd be dead point. and buried. Mm. Um, so I do think there is an onus on us to recognise that mm. The fact that we talk about having women and men around the table gives you better outcomes and better decisions. Well, the same has to be true, true. for having different people of different Definitely. persuasions around the table mm-hmm. too. And I don't think that'll happen organically. Mm-hmm. I think we do need to make it. And so a point in case, um, I was saying to uh, people earlier on, I was at a, an event for Women's International Women's Day a number of weeks ago. And the Romanian community in Ireland is enormous. There's 140,000 people um, of Romanian birth living in Ireland with Irish citizenship. And I, I didn't even know that before the night. Um, 30,000 of them live in Blanchardstown. They'd have two or three councillors if they pulled, you know, pooled themselves together and elected their own people. But they're not pooled themselves together. You know, they're not organised, politically motivated. They're all busy people doing their own well, things. They, in their own to, co- maybe they need to be reached out so to. So I think we need to recognise yeah. that there are distinct, mm. and maybe not necessarily a list, but just a recognition that we would all benefit by having yeah. all of our communities represented. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Same to be said, I didn't realise it was that high in terms of uh, Romanian communities. I mean, Polish, mm. I know, uh, over 120,000. Um, mm. And to that, are they reflected uh, in our no. political landscape? No. And, they're, no. and they're not. Um, and, but you could take say that to, uh, and, I, and I hope we break that legacy, uh, quite negative legacy, where we're not reflective of our communities. Because when you look across other European countries, I mean, and the EPP group, I mean, it's predominantly males coming from Italy, bar maybe one or two. Um, and that's not a reflection if you go to Italy uh, or, you know, but we could say that about many other mm-hmm. member state countries, too. Um, can I can I ask you, uh, give your personal experience, your political lived experience, um, where you are now looking back uh what is it about public service that drives you? I think it's a number of things. And so from a policy perspective, you know, when you have an idea, 
Um, and this, not everybody is lucky enough at this because you, you know when programme for governments you know, are mm. negotiated, sometimes you get in after the programme for government, so it's somebody else's idea. So you're not, not everybody is very lucky to see their own idea from the beginning to the end, as I was last week when I started a pilot project for Hot School Meals back in 2018, and Heather put the cherry on the cake last week by making it um, legislative, you know, um, for every single child between now and 2030 to have a hot school meal in primary and secondary school. That is an absolute peach and gives, I had a smile on my face for the whole day. It's, that's lovely and you feel really important and impactful. But actually, and you, you can, sometimes you can get swept up on that, right, that that's, you know, lovely. And then I canvas on a Friday, Thursday evening on a Friday, and you go and you'll meet the nicest, most humblest person who has a problem with probably the simplest thing to fix, like a pothole or, you know, an issue with social welfare or something, and you can fix it and you realise it's because it's so diverse. Mm. It's because it's such a challenging job and not in a hard way. I don't mean that as in it's a difficult job. Like it's, it's a long job. Right, so you could be working from 8 o'clock in the morning till 11 or 12 o'clock every night, five nights a week, six nights a week if you want to. And you might be going out for dinner with your family on Sunday and still get nabbed by somebody. <laughs> so it's, it's a long job. It's not a difficult job because it's so thoroughly enjoyable mm. um, and diverse and engaging mm. and challenging. And, you know, and I don't mm. think there's any other career that's quite as exciting. Like Exciting, satisfying, it's yeah. exciting, it's privilege. It's a privilege, again, I will yeah. use that word, but so diverse, as you say, everything you've, you've well, I suppose in politics, you have, you know, a little bit about lots and lots of things, yeah. but you don't know a whole lot about one unless you really, unless you have to. So um, I think, you know, it's uh, it's the in meeting with people all mm -hmm. the time. That's the huge, you know, people, and they open up to you, and you, you're so available to them, and, mm -hmm. they, and they trust you, and, and it's... And it's just being so involved in your community and where you come from and knowing what's going on and knowing how decisions are made and why those decisions are made. Sometimes you don't agree with them, but you have so much knowledge, not the knowledge, well, that's, that's the satisfying part, but that you can, you can help people. Or you, can, you can make a difference because you, you have a voice. And you don't, I, I repeat, like you don't have to be the elected representative. If you're a member of a party or even if you have an issue and you come to uh, somebody who is an elected representative or involved, you can impart that information. You can influence. It's like we have a great system in this country where our politicians are really close to the people. I mean, I walked down the street in Cork last weekend. I think it took me oh, at least half hour to make it. I stopped so many people, and then people would nod and say, I was, gr was grateful, actually, because, you know, when you're away, you think, oh, they won't know me when you're away a lot. Yeah. People, and, and they use your name. They don't say, Mrs. Loon. They say, Deirdre, how are you? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, then, then you know you you're home. Hmm? Just for as we as we prepare for uh, the local and Europeans uh, elections mm. next year, next May 2024, and hopefully the general after that, uh, and, <laughs> the, and the and yeah yeah and the and the Senate, and then we move on to mm. the presidential. So, and I think there might be a referendum thrown in there. Next so, November, next eighteen yeah. months uh, is going to be it. um, it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, shout out to all the members or those who are soon yeah. to be members. We we've a busy busy months ahead. Uh, which is exciting. Can I ask on your point, um, and we talk about it too uh, on, a, on a weekly basis in the European Parliament, and, and, and same with the Senate, um, you know, those that feel disconnected. You know, we, we're away as your European Parliament mm. representatives three or four days every week, and then you chase back to your constituency to try and cover so that people feel, you know, that they're seen and heard and, and that their yeah. their vote uh, went, for, went to an active person. Mm. Um, do you feel... Like, how would you bridge that disconnect? You know, how do you feel we can overcome that? 
I think, well, it depends. I mean, obviously, being a European parent representing 12 counties is different to being in a mm. constituency. I, mean, you just, I see social media helps. Mm. Now it has its down, downsides mm. as well to get your message across. But the, ben the benefits of social media is you can put it out as you want to put it. Like you virtually give facts, connect. You give your story, virtually connect. It's, it's a lot like local media is really, really important. Um, and getting the message out. But, you know, sometimes what happens at European level People, you find that there's not a whole lot of interest until the two years later when it becomes a reality and they say, oh, we never knew this was coming. And it's, well, I told you, I did tell you at the time. But I think you can be, um, just to tell the story, I mean, like your uh, payments directive last week, the trans pay transparency, that's like pay transparency, pay trans, what does that mean? It's really important yeah. because it means, you know, looking to, to equal, bridge that gap, equal pay for equal work, and that yeah. you have a right to know. Uh, that's important. Like we did... We have in the uh, Consumer Credit Directive now the right to be forgotten for cancer survivors. We, we have, I mean, amendments I put down in the in a direct Consumer Credit Directive mm -hmm. has got through the committee, the Parliament and the trialogue. So it's there, it's a reality. So you can make a real difference. And, and, and I think, I mean, one side of it is, yeah, I want to get the message out and can tell, let them know I'm here and I'm active. The other side is the huge satisfaction in that knowing you have made a difference, Doing. like the hot school, mm -hmm. school meals. Yeah, exactly. And you know where it started. You know where that started and you can see it delivered and you know the value of that. So yeah, to the to the person mm -hmm. listening, mm -hmm. listening at home. What I think about, right, so about like years ago, and like, so we all have you know, generations of people who had political expertise behind us, advised us, and that might be members, it might be family. The one-to-one -one and the one-to-many um, advice for communications is absolutely key, right? So me and you standing at your doorstep is absolutely paramount. Me standing in your school with 30, you know, students is great. Um, it, it starts to get diminished as it goes down. And right now, I think a lot of us are relying on social media. So there was a whole hiatus because of COVID. You couldn't knock on doors. You couldn't walk up and down mm. the street because you weren't supposed to be in that town. You know, that changed things. And a lot of practices haven't gone back yet to what we were. You know, so I go knocking on doors now and people are nearly sometimes surprised that you're knocking on doors. Um, I look at when I deliver leaflets, the, the return is, is getting smaller and smaller because so many people have no junk mail on their, mm. um, their letterboxes now. So you, I won't you know, I won't infringe. If they say no, I won't put it in. Your access to people is getting smaller and smaller, despite the mediums getting larger and larger. And yeah, I think we do all use Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, the, the thing or the trick is, is to remember that use it for positive and allow the negative space there to just drift away and not, not get in on you because it's not reflective of real people. It's, it, the people I see on Twitter, I don't meet on Friday in Scaries and Balbriggan and Lusk. You know, the people I meet are gorgeous, lovely people. And even the ones that don't like you because they don't like Fine Gael, they'll just say no thanks. You know, they're not the horrible nastiness. And so I think when we're talking about attracting people to either be in public life, be in Fine Gael's public life, be in our membership, whatever it happens to be, you know, your spaces you're comfortable with, is to remember that the vast majority of people are normal, lovely, decent people. And there's a small element in the new social media that, kind of gives people the impression that everybody is like that and it's not and so it's to from my mind I can't beat the one-to-one -one. it's mm -hmm. the knocking on the doors and it's slow and I don't have a 400 man team anymore no. you know and it is slow but it's as powerful as it gets to meeting mm -hmm. that person and doing something for them or even just having them an opportunity to say that you don't have horns sticking out of your head and that you know Fine Gael people are lovely and and decent and um, and to go back to the traditional way that we always used to um, I don't think we'll get to ever standing outside polling stations again handing out cards, but that, that way worked. You know, your grandfather standing on the box, the wooden box outside Mass, I remember John Bruton doing it 20 years ago, 
It works. Yeah, it works, yeah. yeah. People gather, yeah. yeah. Can I can I ask, mm. um, to your point, Regina, there in terms of the divisiveness we also often mm. see, uh, the us and them, the combative politics that unfortunately we're seeing not just in this country but right across the world. Um, and I often say the things we see in the America in terms of the Democrats and Republicans and, and, and certain presidents is like the wind. It oh, does it arrive uh, and it gets picked up and, and uh, we as consumers uh, either like to it or, or, or loathe it, but it's there. Um, but what would you say to those listening that are considering getting involved in politics, both of you? What would be, be it as the candidate, um, and hopefully there's many of them after this podcast mm. series, um, and big shout out to our diversity inclusion officer um, and our candidate, candidate development manager too because we have them here yeah. in headquarters ready to ready to connect with people mm. that are that are looking of getting involved what, what would you say so i think you know what what we have which is far more structured now than what we would have had when i was a candidate for the council at the first election maybe maybe mm. it's true of you Deirdre. like we have all of those supports we have our mentoring program yes. mm. we have our women's network uh, we have our LGBT network, we have our diversity and inclusion officer, yet we have our women's officer, we have our youth officer. We have a whole structure to support people um, who have energy and commitment in making a difference in their community or on the national stage. Mm. It's not, you're not in isolation. There is structure. Um, there absolutely is supports. And there's tried and trusted, tested methods that we've all used that you'll adapt, you know, to, to suit yourself. Yes, there is a bit of negativity. And yes, sometimes... It is hard to take, but I can only say from my own perspective is that the team, starting probably with the husband at home and my mom and dad and stuff, the team around you are probably your number one fans and your number one kind of mudguards that they will protect you um, from anything that's really, really geeky. Uh, but again, just to really, really recognise is that most of the people that are online that are nasty are not reflective no. of the people that we meet no, 99% of the people you meet are really yeah. genuine and nice. And if they're not going to vote for you, they, they, they will say it to you. Or, yeah. You know, I remember, when, you know, my my father used to say when canvassing, he'd say, well, people would say to him, you know, the tea business, Barry's tea was his thing. And they'd say, oh, Mr. Barry, um, well, we do drink the tea, you know, and, and that would be <laughs> code for, we're not voting we for you, but we drink the tea, which is fair enough, you know, and you move on. Because yeah, what is so, the ism? If you're Barry's, you're definitely Fanuel. If you're someone else, if you drink yeah, another brand, you're so someone else. People are genuinely really, really nice. Mm. And I would say to anybody who wants to get involved, I, exactly as Regine had said, there are supports there. You will not be on your own. Mm -hmm. In fact, you will be given 120% support if possible, because we really, really want people to come forward and people who feel they can contribute, that, that they, it, it's something they want to get involved in, they feel they can make a contribution, because every voice is important. Mm -hmm. It may not be, you know, in, in the mix, we need these ideas and these voices. Uh, like we said, when I stood for election, it was, was because we need female voices, because they have something to say, it may not be better, but they do have something to say, and that needs to be included in the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. So just to have the confidence to know you'll be welcomed with open arms, there will be support structures mm -hmm. around you, you would have somebody who will speak, who, who's been through it, who knows the weaknesses, who knows the awful days, or who knows that you may get, you know, get a real pushback at a doorstep, or you may to say, look, put that behind you, that's not what, that's not true. You focus on the positives, always focus on the positives and keep looking forward. Mm -hmm. And leave the rest behind, all the rubbish. So, I'd, the most important thing is mm -hmm. 
come forward. You're not you're not on your own. You will not be on your own. And I think to to all your all all points and all shares here, you know, I, I when I speak to women or 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 people who are from different backgrounds, um, then have grown up Irish, um. You know, more than likely, predominantly, I'll just speak to women here for a sec, but they're already doing the job of mm. a public rep in terms of home, perhaps, or caring for a loved one mm. or um, involved in the various networks. Um, and so when you ask the question, you know, would you consider, oh, no, absolutely, I wouldn't have the bandwidth. I'm like, but you're already doing it. Um, you're and doing it, yeah. And that's the, the juggling we need to see. balls in the air at the one time. Absolutely. And, and then you mm. see it's just a small percentage of... of of negativity perhaps online but it is a small percentage and then I, I often try and really stress you know we wouldn't have the likes of the hot meals program in play if we didn't have a female at the table mm. we wouldn't have all the work being done in terms of pharmaceuticals or the trojan work you do around um uh cancer support for people mm. um suffering through cancer um research innovation yeah, um exactly you wouldn't we, have we, 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 we get Great from, from men too, you know. And no, no. Just, but I think that's the point is need, that we need a balance. And we it need isn't a balance. just anymore about women and men. It's no, now it's about, about women and it's about diversification. Diversification. Yeah, diverse it's about our whole community, and that's the challenge. So So anybody that's listening that wants to come, come, <laughs> yeah, come. We're all here to help. Come, come, We'd be delighted with the new energy, and you know. And just get into if you think how would you could even do it, your local representative, just get in touch because they're all tuned to and they know and they know where to channel channel your. Channel your your inquiry too, so you yeah. know you will be supported. L- last question: hmm. What do we not know about Regina and Jira? What is the one thing that people oh. listen and be like, "Christ, lots, I didn't see things. that coming." <laughs> <Lots of things. laughs> and I'm not sharing them. <laughs> you go, you go first. Oh, I, lots of things. I mean, Good team silly, there, silly yeah. things. My favorite movie would be uh, Thelma and Louise. Because I don't know, do you know the movie you yeah, do? Yeah, yeah they do. No, it's because in the end, like they didn't let the men get them. They just drove <laughs> off the cliff. They controlled it to the end. Love yes, it. <laughs> love it. Yes, it was a big yes moment, <laughs> even though it was tragic. But um, that's, that's it. amazing. That's powerful. What about you? Right. Well, I'm a bloody good singer in the shower. There you I, go. Yeah. yeah um, I, one of the things I had to do when I get when I got elected was I, I was a member of our local folk group and loved it. And not just I'm not a great singer, right? But I love singing. Yeah. Um, and you had to go every Thursday night to practice for, for three hours before you could sing at mass on Saturday night because if you didn't show up for practice, you didn't get to sing at mass. We had a, a very uh, good good That's fair enough. So <laughs> I, as you well know, we don't have Thursday nights free in politics because you usually have meetings to go to or whatever. So I, I had to give it up. So now I had to start singing in the shower. And now I belted out in the shower, so I'm like... What's the be- song? It doesn't matter. Actually, I'm a, I'm a big kind of 70s person. Um, I'd be big kind of Rolling Stones, Beatles, Fleetwood Mac, Stones that kind of stuff. And I love... Um, but it doesn't matter. I have my kids in the car with Spin 103 FM in the car, so I learn those songs. And, and if I don't know the words, I make up the words. And so... Yeah, exactly. Love my, it. My, my theme song is uh, Maniac 2000. Cool. Shout out to all the, all the people who grew up in that era. Uh, Maniac 2000 is the one, uh, or the theme song of Murder She Wrote. They're they're my oh, two yeah. songs. Uh, where so does Maniac 2000 come from? It's like Mark McCabe. It's it's it's. I'll send it to you. It's an institution. I'm expecting please. you to sing it the <laughs> next time. <laughs> learn the words. I learn the words. Uh, uh, ladies, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for opening up uh, thank you. your your journeys. And I think sometimes mm. we need to break down uh, and share our lived experiences in order to open the door uh, to to someone else to look in and, and think if that's for them too. So. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Right, as you can see from uh, both Deirdre and Regina, the, the wealth of experience that they have um, and from discussions on their kitchen table when they were growing up to now where they sit in Shannon Aaron and in the European Parliament. Uh, I really, really hope you got a lot out of that. I know I certainly did. If you'd like to learn more about how you could lead the change, visit funagale.ie forward slash get involved. There are so many stories and really useful information there for you to put your hand up, get involved and really see how Finnegal can support you in our politics. Uh, next time, I'll be speaking to another colleague in the European Parliament, MEP for Dublin, Francis Fitzgerald, and Ireland's first black female county councillor, Yemi Adenuga. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I certainly did. We'll see you there.